who will later be taking their first communion. As they make this further step in their Christian journey, please be close to them and encourage them in their faith. We ask for your protection for your people everywhere, but specifically this morning, for your blessing on any we know who are in particular need at this time. And perhaps we could just take a few moments now to quietly pray for any known to us who are in need of God's special touch. Father, we pray for each of those that we have named and we remember particularly from the Springfield family, Melanie Jeffrey, following the loss of her mother, and Al Golder as he continues his chemotherapy treatment. Father God, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And now let's join together in the words of the grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now. Amen. God of love, passionate and strong, tender and careful, watch over us and hold us all the days of our life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from Ephesians. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, of, uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in their coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading today is from John 3, verses 14 to 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This is the word of the Lord. words that I speak and the thoughts of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. One of the most powerful things that I heard just a few moments ago in the testimonies of people speaking about this church was that it's a place where you feel a mirror is held up to you, a place where you find out who you are and what you are. And that seems to me really one of the most important things about the life of any Christian community. This is where we find out the truth, where we find out who we are and who God is. And that's the theme that runs just under the surface of the Gospel reading today. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light. People didn't want to know who they were, and they didn't want to know who God was. And rather like small children, they imagined that if they kept their eyes tight shut, nobody would see them. The picture that Jesus offers here, and that in a different way Paul offers in the first reading, is of the world before Christ being rather like a room with lots of people, their eyes screwed tightly shut, running around and banging into things all the time. And occasionally, crying out in complaint, it's so dark in here. God's word comes into the middle of all this and says, you might try opening your eyes. Because the message is, not that God is looking all the time at the world with intense anger and disapproval, sharp intakes of breath coming down from heaven at regular intervals, God is looking down at a world of people who will not have mercy on themselves, who will not do what their life, their health requires, running around 
with their eyes screwed shut, banging into the walls, banging into each other. And the one thing they will not do is open their eyes. That's what it means when St. Paul says that we are naturally objects of wrath, children of wrath in the old translation. That we are experiencing in our lives the effects of our untruthfulness. If you run around with your eyes shut in a room, sooner or later you are going to bang into the wall. Wrath. The natural effect of our untruthfulness. Not God feeling cross with us. It's what we do to ourselves. And God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. God looks down on this miserable spectacle of all of us making ourselves injured, diminished, banging into one another, ruining and distorting our own lives. God looks at all that with an unimaginable depth of pity and compassion. A depth of pity and compassion that brings him right into the middle of that world. The light has come into our midst. It is now possible, truly possible, for the first time perhaps, for us to open our eyes and see who we are and see who God is. And if when the light has come and the assurances are given us, the light's there, we can discover ourselves, we can discover God, if after all that we keep our eyes screwed shut, well, says Jesus in the Gospel of John, that's the judgment. That's the judgment. The judgment we have passed on ourselves. The damage we do to ourselves by our unwillingness to see ourselves truthfully and to see God truthfully. And what persuades us to open our eyes? What is it that breaks into this terrible compulsion human beings seem to have to keep their eyes tight shut? Perhaps it's that as we rush around the room with our eyes screwed shut, a hand takes our hand. A hand is laid over our shoulder. A voice speaks in our ear, saying, Hold on. Be quiet. Trust. It's all right to know the truth. The light won't kill you. Truth is grace. Remember the very beginning of St. John's Gospel. The Word is made flesh and lives among us like the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. We can cope with the truth because it's God's truth. It's the truth of love. So that's the challenge in our life as a church. First of all, can we open our eyes? Can we unscrew our eyes and actually wake up? Waking up is one of the things St. Paul talks a lot about in Ephesians. Arise, sleeper. Get up from the dead. Christ will give you life. Can we open our eyes? Can we face ourselves in the presence of God's love? Well, yes, we can. If we let our hands be held by the hands of Christ. If we hear the voice that says, don't panic, be still, open up. Yes, we can. And can we communicate to the world around 
that same message. Can we say to those running around with their eyes shut, be still, hang on, open up. You've been reminded that that's work that takes a lot of patience. It would be very nice if we could go out into the world and say, we are the light of the world, we have a message for you, and you're all going to believe it, aren't you? And everybody said, yes. One of the things that always strikes me about, about the book of Jonah is that it's really, really very funny. It's the only book in the Bible where somebody comes along and says, this is the word of the Lord, listen. And they all say, yes. Because it never, ever happens in the rest of the Bible. And most of the time, that's the kind of frustration we're up against. It needs patience. It needs that wonderful acceptance that you were talking about earlier. That willingness to be with people, however dim they seem, however stupid they seem, and hanging there with them. Because however dim we are, and however stupid we are, God hangs in with us. And God is patient with us. God knows what we're like. And he doesn't turn his back. Grace and truth. Now, this morning, I think it's 14 of you are going to be taking Holy Communion for the first time. That might help for us to think a little bit about what's involved in that. What's the truth that's coming to light in taking Holy Communion? And Holy Communion does show us something absolutely crucial about us and something absolutely crucial about God. We come forward for Holy Communion with our hands open and the bread of life is put in those hands. Two things we learn. We come with open hands. We're hungry. We need something. We're not self-sufficient. We can't run our own lives. We can't sort ourselves out. We come and say to God, give us what we need. All the time in the Gospels, Jesus is asking people, what do you want me to do for you? As if people, first of all, have to come clean and say, well, I want you to give me life. I want you to make me whole. I want you to bring me home. And as soon as they say it, Jesus says, right, there it is. Your trust has healed you. So we come revealing that truth about ourselves. We need love. We need healing. We can't sort it for ourselves. So we open our hands and say, please, give. Give what only you can give. Give what you want to give. Give what you long to give. Because God longs for nothing more than to give us the life and the healing we need. And the horror and tragedy of the world is that we are constantly saying, no, we don't need it, no, we don't want it. We learn that about ourselves. In the same moment, we learn that about God. That God is there like the bread on the table to be eaten, to be taken in for our life and our health. God has put himself at our disposal. Extraordinary thing to think the maker of the universe, the power and energy that sustains everything, that, as somebody once wonderfully put it, that is the fire in the equations that make up the universe. There is that God, that energy, that infinite power of love. 
at our disposal, we can take it into our lives. As we take the bread into our hands, as we sip the wine from the cup, taking in that unending energy of love, which was made flesh and blood in Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do for us. That's what God wants to give us. And so if we come and say, give us what you want to give us, God will give us what he wants to give us. We learn our need. We learn his generosity. That's the truth. That's the truth that comes alive in Holy Communion. And that's why perhaps in the liturgy of the ancient Eastern churches, after Holy Communion, there's a prayer that begins, we have seen the true light. When you've taken Holy Communion, you've seen the light. You've understood something about yourself and about God. You've proclaimed something about yourself and about God. Which is why Holy Communion is so centrally important in the life of the Church. But it's got to be something that runs through everything we say and do. Are we communicating those truths to one another, to the world around? Are we able to say to the world around, the truth is that God is willing to give you what you need. And the truth is, you do need it. What we're trying to do as a church, here in Britain, throughout the world, in Kenya, in the Solomon Islands, wherever we are, what we're trying to do as believers is to remind the world of what it's like to be a human being. Human beings get hungry. They need to be fed. And they need in their souls and spirits, they need the food of love. They need families. They need friends. One of the things we celebrate today, of course, on Mothering Sunday, our need of the family environment in which we grow. But above all, we need that unending, bottomless energy that is God, God's compassion, God's pity. We need that at the heart of our own lives. It's a truth we're often very reluctant to face because we live in a culture that is really quite obsessed with being independent. I make my own choices. Nobody tells me what to do. We think being autonomous, being independent, is the greatest thing we could possibly imagine. And okay, it's good not to be pushed around. It's good to be free. But our freedom, in terms of what the Bible says, is always in relationship with God and with one another. The thought that we could live happily or holily if we were free from our families, our friends, our relationships and our God is absolute rubbish. That's the truth. And so we have some work to do persuading the world we live in and sometimes, let's face it, persuading ourselves that it's all right to need. It's all right to say I'm hungry. It's all right to say I need your love, I need your trust. And above all, it's all right to say to God, I need you. Give me what I need because that's what you want to do. And we shouldn't forget either that people sometimes have the most extraordinary and untruthful ideas about God. People think God is this, that or the other and they decide they don't believe in that kind of God. And sometimes the most important thing we can say to 
non-believers is, well, we don't believe in that kind of God either. You mentioned earlier, Will, the uh, conversation with Richard Dawkins. One of the most frustrating things in reading the work of great atheists like Richard is when they talk about the God they don't believe in, I want to say, well, neither do I. I'm an atheist as far as that kind of God's concerned. Because the kind of God described there is a bit monstrous, slightly psychotic. This is a God who's immensely bad-tempered and suspicious, who's always disposed to be hostile to the world he's made. Why on earth did he make it in the first place? Well, God knows. Here is a God you always have to persuade to be nice to you, because you never quite know when he's going to turn around and turn nasty. Surely, surely you can't believe in a God like that. And the only answer is, well, no, dead right. We can't and we don't. Because God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the God we believe in. The God who looks, as I said earlier, with this unimaginable compassion on all these stupid people running round with their eyes shut, banging into the walls. The God who wants nothing more than that we should open our eyes admit our need and let him in that's the pathos the tragedy you might almost say of our condition that we as Christians say over and over again the truth has come into our midst the light has shone we have been saved through trust and this is not our own doing it is the gift of God that wonderful phrase the end of the New Testament reading today. We are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are what he has made us. He's made us to feed on his love. He's made us for himself and our hearts are restless till they rest in him. That wonderful quote from St. Augustine that we heard in the prayers. That is the deepest truth of our human nature. And it's good news, because if we truly are hungry, the best possible news is that there is food. If we truly need God, the best possible news is that God is there, available for us, giving himself into our hands. If only we will open up, hang on, be still, and learn to receive. This is the verdict. This is the judgment says Jesus in the Gospel. And it's the judgment we pass on ourselves if we're unwilling to open up. A church that is alive, healthy, growing, converting is going to be a truthful church. A church where people do find a mirror is held up to them. But not a mirror that shows them simply the unacceptable bits of themselves and makes them feel ashamed but a mirror in which at the same time they see a love that is ready to meet them at every point, at every level of their beings, turn them around, transfigure them, bring them home, convert them. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, might be healed that the light might shine 
and transfigure us, and that that light might be reflected in the face of each one of us as we go out carrying the grace and truth of Jesus Christ into our speaking and our serving and our loving in the world around. Speaking the truth in love. I always think it's a terrible thing that that phrase, speaking the truth in love, has been debased in the way that it has. It normally means telling people rather gleefully what you know they'd rather not hear. But speaking the truth in love is what it's all about. Speaking about our need, speaking about the food that is to be had. And I really hope and pray that all those who are taking Holy Communion for the first time this morning will find it a moment of seeing something, where something clicks, the picture becomes clearer. What could be clearer after all than coming forward, hands open, to receive what God wants to give? And in whatever way we do it, that's the picture we have to try and communicate in the world around. That's the God we truly believe in. And as far as all other gods are concerned, we can be atheists as much as any Richard Dawkins. Because this, as St. John says, is the true God. This is eternal life. Amen. So, I suggest we stand up and join in this affirmation of faith in the true God who sent his Son among us, the light of the world. And we say together, Though he was divine, he did not cling to equality with God, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a slave. He was born in human likeness. He humbled himself and was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has raised him on high and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every voice proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We now have two songs for us to bring our children back in. So if you have a child in uh, Roadrunners or Crash or um, Sparklers, do please go and collect them and sign them out in the normal way. we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us access to his grace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And with you. Let us offer one another a sign of Christ's peace. Sorry to plagiarise you. It's with you. It's with you. It's with you.
Lift up your hearts. We give thanks to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. Blessed are you, Lord God, our light and our salvation. To you be glory and praise forever. From the beginning you have created all things, and all your works echo the silent music of your praise. In the fullness of time you made us in your image, the crown of all creation. You give us breath and speech that with angels and archangels and all the powers of heaven we may find a voice to sing your praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. How wonderful the work of your hands, O Lord. As a mother tenderly gathers her children, you embrace a people as your own. When they turned away and rebelled, your love remained steadfast. From them you raised up Jesus, our Saviour, born of Mary, to be the living bread in whom all our hungers are satisfied. He offered his life for sinners, and with a love stronger than death, he opened wide his arms on the cross. On the night before he died, he came to supper with his friends, and taking bread, he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. We remember his dying and rising in glory. And we rejoice that he intercedes for us at your right hand. Pour out your Holy Spirit as we bring before you these gifts of your creation. May they be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy things in your presence, form us in the likeness of Christ and build us into a living temple to your glory. Remember, Lord, your church in every land. Reveal her unity, guard her faith, and preserve her in peace. Bring us at the last with all the saints to the vision of that eternal splendor for which you have created us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom, with whom, and in whom, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honor and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith, receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Let us pray. Father of all, 
we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share his body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm sure you'll agree that it's been amazing to have Archbishop Rome with us this morning, but there's also a hidden person who is not here, who has been his mainstay and support, namely his wife, Jane. And we wanted thank to give you. you this for her to say a huge well, thank you thank for you so on much. Mothering thank Sunday you. to release you to come to us. So thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> that royal wedding kiss. <laughs> You've had one before. <laughs> now, on Mothering Sunday, we always ask the children to come forward and get flowers, not only for their own mothers, but also for the women uh, here in the church this morning. So, could we have our usual mad hassle panic and come on down? Do you want to do that side now? Try and... Here we are, sweethearts. Uh, there we go. Might do. Here we are. Before the blessing, may I just say thank you so much for welcoming me here this morning. It's been a real joy to be with you and to share this wonderful act of worship and celebration. And I wish you many, many more years of ministry and witness here. Thank you for everything. I, I'm afraid that because I've got another engagement to go on to, I can't hang around very long afterwards. And that's, that always feels very rude, so I do apologize for that. But thanks so much. And may the Father, from whom every family in earth and heaven receives its name, strengthen you with his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Amen.